The year is 2022 and the streaming crisis has begun. Too many services to choose just one. Two brave souls have stepped to the forefront to bring you recaps of horror movies from the old times. Step into our theater for some audience favorites, some B-horror recaps, and maybe even some movies you never even knew existed. This is the Beauty and Dickeast Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Geese podcast, where we watch movies so that you don't have to. Uh, I am one of your two illustrious co-hosts, Pat the Geese, along with the Beauty. That'd be me. That's that's Scott the Beauty, which uh, you can tell, super pumped up about you know my my beautiful day. Every day is beautiful. Yeah, man, you're. Uh, yeah, I- I just follow Christina Aguilera's song. You know, you are beautiful in every single way. Words can't bring you down, but they can, but they can't. I assume that song was about you the entire time. I mean, I've never met her, so she must have just found pictures on the internet, which that would be like early internet pictures anyway. So maybe back when I actually was beautiful and not old, old and haggard and gray these days. Seems most likely. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) It could have been you, man. (laughs) Yes, if I had the uh, charisma and the talent and motivation to do things like that. You know, if I needed to be the center of attention, I could have been in the Mickey Mouse Club. But instead, I prefer my dark corners where nobody notices me unless I make them notice me. The dark corners of hell. It's where we're going today, because we are covering part seven of the Hellraiser series, which is called Deader. From 2005, as we mentioned, director Rick Boda is back again. Um, short uh, description from IMDb, a journalist uncovers an underground group who can bring back the dead and slowly becomes drawn into their world. So let's, uh, let's hop on the pain train of Hellraiser Deader. It, it pretty much was a pain train. It, uh, yeah, I did not like it as good as the last one, but I guess we'll, we'll get there. We'll touch on why. Yeah, I mean, there was just so much mayhem in the last one. Yes, I I like the mayhem. This one, not as much. We needed mayhem guy back, if he wasn't in hell. Yeah, he, yeah. Damn Kirsty sending mayhem to hell. 
Well, uh, this one, Hellraiser Debtor, opening scene. We enter on like a uh, I don't know, crack house, heroin den, something like that. I think it was crack yeah. house. Um, it definitely was because, you know, as she's uh, Amy, who is our, our main journalist lady, played by Carrie Wurr, um, she's just sitting back, smoking cigarettes, kind of observing what's going on. And starts eventually taking pictures of things yeah and, and it's a it's a filthy crack house right there's there's yeah. junk everywhere people are like getting high or passed out on the floor there's filth all over the place yes yeah and and eventually she gets what she needs she pulls out her camera starts taking a few pictures and decides she's gonna leave and it, she leaves the crack house and goes to work yeah, we find out at the, at the uh, probably Daily Planet. The London Underground. Oh, that's what it is. I was close. Is the name of the newspaper. Not quite the Daily Planet, but uh, she also was no Lois Lane either. So, well, She does apparently write a great article. She's getting a lot of compliments anyway. The title of the article is How to Be a Crack Whore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, that did make me chuckle a little bit, and as they're talking about how she's writing a follow-up piece to How to Be a Crack Whore. (laughs) I guess I'd read it. It's got a catchy title. It's the, uh, uh, I guess, shock value clickbait title that uh, is common now on the internet. She was way ahead of the time. Doesn't seem like the London Underground is quite the uh, most... I guess, a pursued source for mainstream news. They probably go with the salacious angle. It's almost more of like a, uh, not quite a weekly world news, but maybe a national inquirer. Yeah, something that good. One of my favorites. I mean, because otherwise she would have been writing about Bat Boy saving the world if it was weekly world news-esque. Which, uh, I mean... I guess her next assignment is almost as as out of this world as Bat Boy. She, <laughs> that uh, is true. She she gets called into I guess her editor's chief editor's office. Um, he's got a scoop on a uh, group of I guess I don't know if they're cultists, more crack whores, call themselves the Debtors, and he plays a VHS cassette tape for Amy, and it uh, certainly looks like a weird cult meeting, right? Some uh, ceremony or something. There's a just bunch of people standing around. One of them gets chosen by the cult leader. Cult leader guy. She starts. They all start chanting. A chosen lady lays down in a bed, pulls out a revolver, puts one in her brain. Then the cult leader goes and uh, kisses the lady's dead body, and she comes back to life. End of video. Uh, that's the. That's the scoop. That's that's where they're sending Amy off for her next assignment, which happens to be in Bucharest. That was a large caliber revolver. And um, had she done what she had actually done, the whole side, more than likely the whole half of her face would have been, the, the opposite side of her face would have been missing. So, I mean... Uh, they they definitely played this up for the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a big. Uh, I don't know. Magnum. It looked magnum like, but maybe well, not it, quite. It looked like Tackleberry's gun from Police Academy, which would have been a forty four magnum. Which yeah. 
would yeah yeah <laughs> that would not have uh, quality control come on guys get it right she uh, uh amy is intrigued heads off to bucharest um she and goes she's to trying, the... yeah she's trying to find marla who was their source and uh she gets to marla's apartment and uh is trying to figure out what the hell is going on because she doesn't have a key to get into marla's apartment marla's not answering the door and eventually the the superintendent comes by uh and pretty much tells her that she's you know she's a friend and she needs to know what's going on and she needs five minutes in the place so the guy reluctantly unlocks the door to give her five minutes for a twenty dollar bribe twenty dollars yeah. us which uh might get you far in bucharest yeah i don't know what the exact currency exchange is for romania at this time but i'm guessing it's pretty good especially back in 2005 when this was yeah i bet taking place as well so she uh yeah she's just uh, of course it's rank in there right smells awful um she finds a body dead body in the bathroom pretty fast which uh we can assume is Marla. We find out later it is Marla. And uh, she's a good journalist, I guess. Her investigative instincts take over pretty quick in the face of a dead body. Because she just starts uh, rifling through the drawers. Leaving um, her fingerprints everywhere. Yes, in case yes. there is any sort of police investigation, they'll know exactly who was there. She does find some good items. She gets, a, uh, like, some pictures uh including some pictures of uh like cult leader guy that she recognized from the tape um <laughs> the dead bodies in the bathroom with a uh envelope large envelope that she uh i don't know knows is important goes and reaches for that drops it on the floor also notices in the hand of the dead body our friend the puzzle box is back so she grabs that the envelope some photos and uh, gets the fuck out of there. Yep, running into the superintendent on the way out, and he's like, what the hell's going on? Why is it, you know, and she just knees him in the nuts and runs away. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... <laughs> I don't know. I felt like she ampl- amped it up a bit pretty fast there. That escalated quickly. As, it uh... <laughs> de- definitely did, but again, um, I mean, now... She didn't want to have to wait around for the police because that would have caused her questions that she didn't want to answer. Sure. So her best option was to just physically assault the guy and run out the door pretty much into as she gets out the door of this apartment building onto the street. There's cops driving by with their sirens on anyway. So she almost gets caught immediately from that. And so what do you do after... uh... You're evading the Romanian police, so you don't want to be connected to a dead body. You uh, have a few drinks. <laughs> and watch Open a your chest tape. Yeah. Watch a movie. Get a rental at Tom Thumb or Steve's World. Coburn's, Redbox, Main Attractions, whatever. Yeah. Well, I guess VHSs would have, would have been pre-Redbox days. So she... Uh, didn't look like she was watching the ghoulies, though, so... Damn straight. 
Why didn't anyone invite Redbox invent Redbox for VHS? Is it just the shipping weight was too high? Uh, that would have been a pretty damn big red box to have. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you got red box. You got four options. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, she pops. She pops her VHS cassette in, watches it. This time, it's a uh, clearly distressed woman. She's warning about uh, warning it like, don't open the puzzle box, things like that. Also, uh, however, it, yeah, giving if, uh, more hints. Don't, yeah, don't open the puzzle box. Don't join the cults if they invite you, but investigate them, but don't join. Don't do what they ask you to do. Yeah, and uh, check out the subway. Head down to the, uh, I think, Central Subway Station. So uh, Amy immediately starts playing with the puzzle box. <laughs> <laughs> of course, don't open the puzzle box, but the first thing I'm going to do is pu- going to open the puzzle box. Yeah, chains shoot out of it. They like latch onto her head. Pinhead appears, tell her, tells her she's in danger. The chains start to like drag her into the box itself. Uh, then she wakes up. It was all a dream. <laughs> or was it? Or was it? Here we go again. This is uh, what's his name? Rick Boda. Rick Boda's signature move is it was all a dream, or was it? She at least didn't have amnesia. Yes. She uh, she goes to the subway. This is an interesting interesting subway. <laughs> it's basically a mobile crack house. <laughs> Lots of boobs on this subway. We got our uh, we got our B in spades here. Yeah, there was yeah. Even some many dicks. shapes, many shapes and sizes. Yes, there was even full frontal male nudity or balls. That's the fifth B of horror, which we rarely encounter. <laughs> Boners, body, <laughs> bo- body, bodies, blood, boobs, boners, balls and, and boners. boners. <laughs> we got them all. This is, we got it all on this one. So uh, five thumbs up for uh, Hell Hellraiser Deader for all the bees. Yep, she's supposed to. She's there. She needs to wait for the last car, and she needs to talk to Joey because you know. <clears throat> The super common Romanian name of Joey. Yeah. It's going to be a guy in the last car. Yeah. That, that's looked like he's having a rave in a subway car. Yeah. That is uh, attached to a regular subway train and they are just a traveling rave. Yeah, it is a traveling rave. And it's not just like, I'm sure people are picture, picturing a subway. No, like the windows are blacked out. They've got like uh, UV lights or something throughout the whole thing, and just naked people walking around getting high. With Joey in the back, he's the uh, he's bringing up the rear. Later, he really does bring up the rear. Yes, and she uh, <laughs> she talks to Joey. Joey warns her to uh, give up on this story, but also gives her another lead. You know, so. Yeah, don't don't follow the story. But if you're not going to listen to me and f- continue to follow the story, here's where you find what you're looking for. Yeah. So the people here are sort of worried about Amy, but <laughs> not enough to just give her a dead end and have her stop this uh, this quest. But yeah, Joey gives her the lead. Um, she gets off the subway. Uh, she sees the uh, cult leader guy. Cult leader guy is like kind of creepily following her 
Then, however, as the next train comes, he just jumps in front of it. So uh, Amy calls the remaining police. They don't find a body at all. There's no sign of blood or anything like that. They think it's on her head and that she's nuts. Um, then she sees cult leader guy, leader guy again walking around. Get he just boards the next train like a normal person. But like uh, nothing they, they, ever happened. Yeah, they think she's crazy. They uh, like detain her, lock her up, and I guess a Romanian mental institution. Um, her editor had. <laughs> Her editor's got connections, apparently, because he just flies to Romania to, I guess, vouch for her, and they get her out. (laughs) She's not crazy. She's here working on a story for me for my shitty newspaper that everybody in Romania loves to read called The London Underground. Just, you know, just take the handcuffs off of her. She's not going to hurt anybody. And they do. Like, that's all it takes. It's like if your boss comes to the mental institution, says, hey, don't worry about her, they'll, they'll just let you out, allegedly. I mean, I guess I'm sure that Romania's got slightly less, uh, slightly more lax laws as far as that goes than the United States does, but that probably wouldn't work here in the U.S. No, for sure. But uh, she's out, just like that. She's out, off to investigate uh, her new lead from from Joey. She goes to just some uh, some house, and she, she got a key earlier. She got a key when she was at Marla's house. This key unlocks a a padlock at this house. Again, uh, just run down, filthy crack house. She ends up in the sewers, basically. She's like squeezing through this like one foot wide hallway. A man with a hood and a knife comes at her. She barely escapes. (laughs) It's like a catacomb underneath underneath this house. Yeah, basically. Yeah, old school catacombs with like uh, robed men coming at her with knives. So, uh, I mean, she's dedicated. I'll give her that. And she uh, she nearly escapes knife guy, ends up in the uh, middle of a deader cult ceremony. as leader, Right when leader guy's kissing some dude, uh, bringing him back to life. Amy notices there's like 10 other people who all have... Uh, what looks like should be lethal wounds. They're just kind of standing around watching. And, uh, you know, Amy goes and talks to cult leader guy. We found out his name is Winter. Amy shows him the puzzle box. He says it's his. He keeps it. I don't know. <laughs> he works some voodoo magic on her. Uh, she starts having visions of her past. I guess she was molested as a child. <laughs> that comes up a lot. And then she uh, wakes up. She's strapped to a bed. They are about to kill her. I guess she's about to be the next victim in their de- uh, debtor ceremonies. They're about to, like, stab her in the chest with a knife. Um, then she wakes up in the bathtub of her uh, apartment or hotel room. It was all a dream. Or, or was, was it? it? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Rick Boda. Yes. So she... Gets out of her bath, goes to bed, um, wakes up like in the middle of the night, notices it's kind of moist and damp in her bed, uh, starts feeling around, and there's a knife shoved through her back. (laughs) She freaks out, as you would when you wake up with a knife in you. Of course, she thinks it's all a dream. 
as I did at that moment, but uh, I guess she's just a debtor now. Then Pinhead appears. He gives some cryptic messages like the cult can, like the cult needs her. The cult can only be victorious through her, something like that. And Pinhead has to save her. Uh, then he vanishes. But this yep. is not a dream. Salvation is only allowed through Pinhead. Yes. Which, uh, knowing what I know of Pinhead, I wouldn't trust him, but... Uh, well, but the, but the one thing that he's always been is just honest, though, too. So it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's lying and telling her that, you know, that, that he's the only way that... I mean, he is saying that he's the only option she has to be saved. But, you know, I, I can't go back to any of the previous movies that we've watched and found out where he's been dishonest about things. Sure. Well, part of it is is uh, I am not... They hint... They they say multiple times that she opened the box. And so you but just assume Pinhead wants to drag her to hell. And, and, and she did, but it also seems like... Well, from what... He kind of what I, what I got from his explanation of things is that Winter has started a war in hell that against the Cenobites that only you know uh, the only way that Winter will become victorious is if Amy joins them. So to keep Pinhead in charge of hell the way that he likes to be in charge of hell. She she will be, her soul will not be dragged to hell um, if she helps Pinhead defeat the cultists versus helping the cultists defeat Pinhead. That, uh, that sounds accurate. I will go with it. I could never quite figure out what the rules were in this one. That's that. That's what it sounded like to me, and who knows? I could be one hundred percent wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the, that's what I gathered from uh, what I saw with the from the movie. So, I mean, it's logical because it's they clearly set them up as adversaries, Pinhead and uh, Winter, the cult leader, and uh, both need Amy on their side. So, so it makes sense. Um, naturally. Naturally, she's freaked out, right? She just talked to a Cenobite king of hell. She's got a knife in her still. She's bleeding pretty profusely, but it doesn't kill her because apparently she is a, uh, she's a debtor now. It just doesn't, it hurts. She bleeds, but she won't die. So she, she duct tapes it shut. She closes the knife handle in the cabinet in the bathroom and Uses yeah. the leverage of the door holding the knife handle to remove it from her back. Yeah. <laughs> Jerks it out. It's clearly painful, right? Like, she's screaming the whole time. Blood is shooting out. But she gets it out. Is bleeding just all over the place. And does the best she can to just, like, wrap duct tape around her torso. Clean to, towel uh, and, a duct, and duct tape. Yep. She stops it. Well, she does not stop it, actually. <laughs> As we'll see shortly. <laughs> um, then she goes, uh, I guess, I don't know. She's in shock or whatever. She kind of just wanders off into the city, um, back towards uh, the subway. Ask Joey, like, what the what the hell is going on? When you need help, you go to Joey the crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> 
Joey the Rave Man. Yeah, who lives in a subway with drug addicts. Uh, that's who you want when you're in trouble. But uh, she goes to him like, what the hell's going on? Again, Joey gives her cryptic advice. Um, then suddenly, the, it turns out everybody on the subway car is just dead. They're all instantly dead, including Joey. There's naked dead bodies everywhere. You did see a Cenobite actually stitching up uh, somebody's throat there, too. Yeah. Real quick. There was a quick glance of that. And yeah, uh, Amy is bleeding all over. She's still she's still bleeding out of her duct tape bandages, uh, which she actually knocks over a newspaper rack to cover up the fact that she's got blood gathering around her feet. As a police officer walks by. <laughs> I thought that was a fun scene. She's like, oh, I talked to a, a demon and I'm undead and I'm bleeding. But I don't want to be suspicious in front of this police officer. <laughs> so I, I'll yeah. put all these newspapers down like a dog just wet, wet the floor. And I'll stand on them and then he won't notice all the blood that's pooling around my feet. <laughs> but then, yeah, but then it's pooling up too fast and the few newspapers she threw on the floor, on the ground anyway. So it still would have been noticeable. So she just tips over the whole rack of newspapers and pretends to pick them up. And kind of smile, you know, just smiles at the at the officer as he goes by. Yeah. Well played, Amy. Well played. Way to blend in. Don't draw attention to yourself by knocking over an entire newspaper rack. Uh, so then, uh, who else? Uh, I think this is when or undead undead Marla shows up right around here. Yep, and yeah, Amy and Marla begin their adventure, and turns out that very quickly you find out that Marla was the one that stabbed Amy. Yes. Yep. And again, Amy's Amy's really invested in Marla up until this point. Like, Amy's really, I don't know if she's actually worried about Marla, but uh, really eager to find Marla, probably just for the story. But yeah, Marla says Amy is the key to the puzzle box for this, for this war between uh, Winter and Pinhead. Yeah, this is where I kind of got lost on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it gets lost. She 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 ends up again at some point, like waking up strapped to another table at the mental hospital. And then you think it was all a dream again. I think that might have been where we go from here because she's seeing all these dead bodies. She's talking to dead Marla. Uh, what gets this uh, more information about uh, this war that's going on in hell? Then wakes up strapped to uh, another mental institute hospital table. It was all a dream, <laughs> or was it? Uh, her editor shows back again, Freezer again. Like, I don't know if he's just hanging out or he just flies to Bucharest every time his journalist gets in trouble. But, uh, he's got a lot of free time and a lot of money at this, this newspaper <laughs> for plane tickets. <laughs> well, I mean, it probably isn't, it's, I don't even think it's really all that far. It's to probably, go from, uh, to go probably from London. flight to London. London to Bucharest. I mean, like most of the year, you know, most of the European countries are. I mean, they they don't even they probably don't even fly. They probably just take the train or that. What is it like, uh, Minneapolis to Cincinnati or something? 
Mm, yeah, probably something similar to that. Yeah, if if even that far. I'm no uh, geography expert. Anyway, it's, yeah, there. Uh, he offers to give her ride back to the hotel, and she says, "No, I'd rather walk." And then she goes on another adventure, searching for winter. Yep. She uh How does she how does she even get there? Doesn't she She like she passes out at some point and just like wakes up on a ceremony bed like surrounded by cultists and winter cult leader guy. This time just giving her a knife so that she can stab herself in the chest. Like I guess that's part of the deal. If she stabs herself here, she teams up with the debtors and the cultists. And she's thinking of doing it. Yeah, she gets pretty close to to doing it, yeah. She raises the knife, uh, doesn't quite do it, jabs it into a table nearby. Instead, she uh, you know, grabs the puzzle box, opens it up, Pinhead appears. Ah, he does the old uh, chain trick, his M.O., right? On Winter the Cult Leader. Hooks him with the chains, you know, looks painful, rips his body apart, chunks of body fall to the floor. Um, then he kills all the, the cultists. <laughs> Again, one of the very few times you actually see Pinhead kill anybody. Yeah, this is a fun scene. They're like standing in a line and just uh, he sends one big ass chain through all of their stomachs, drops them dead. So I guess they are technically undead, but. Uh, I don't know if it's enough damage or Pinhead's special powers. He can kill him for real. This, yeah, he, Pinhead's able to seem like he's got the power to finish the job. Soldiers of hell can kill the undead. Yeah, then uh, then Pinhead talks to Amy about her dead dad, which is uh, a theme that got touched on a lot. Um, Marla, Marla's still there. She's a zombie junkie who's not quite dead yet. Tells Amy, you know, don't do it. Don't, uh, I don't know. Don't team up with Pinhead. So uh, Amy stabs herself and dies. That says, sends Pinhead back to the box. Penalty box. The puzzle box. For somebody else to open in the next movie. Yep. And uh, then Amy dies. She can also die at this point. (laughs) Yep. And that's pretty much it. Then for some reason, they cut back to the newspaper editor. He gets a, a new attractive journalist and uh, sends her out on the same story. Roll credits. That was a fast one. That might be a new record for us. Yeah, again, this just wasn't just over 30 minutes. Yeah, there wasn't much to to really go on with it. I mean, it was a lot of just random garbage. Um, You know, I mean, and there wasn't a whole lot of memorable stuff that went on. Yeah, it was a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, similar and different to the, the last one we did. It was a lot of the same kind of circular stuff. She investigates something. Uh, gets a lead, you know, has some hallucinations slash flashbacks slash possible reality memories that were repressed. 
uh, wakes up and uh, goes on the next step of her investigation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Repeat like three or four times. Constant dream loop that seems like things are going to happen in. And it's just like, man, it just wasn't wasn't worth remembering what happened. Yeah, yeah. As uh, people may have noticed, we kind of, <laughs> I don't know, details get a little fuzzy. It, uh, it was... It was okay. You know, it's it's a different take on a lot of horror movies. We've mentioned this before. This is a lot more investigative, like thrill thriller, suspense kind of thing than uh, than typical horror slash slasher movie. Yeah, yeah. I know I covered it a couple episodes ago, but yes, the the Hellraiser movies are not slasher movies. And yeah, it is more of it's more of a horror mystery kind of thing. But again, we know because of what's gone on with everything, what the mystery is. And it's don't, you know, the mystery of the puzzle box. Don't open it. You know, I mean, it's, it's just. <clears throat> yeah. And the, I think the last one that we just did. um I like that one better because, like, your main guy turns out to be a bad guy who kind of deserves everything he got. Yes. Like this one, Amy's more of just, uh, you know, she's she's a dedicated journalist. (laughs) Just got a bum deal on this story. She loves her job, and she was led astray by her editor. Yeah, yeah. Although I did, I did keep thinking like he might be Pinhead or at least an agent of evil. He kind of had that vibe about him. Yeah, and I mean, uh, his his name in the movie was Charles, so I don't teach you right there what. Uh, oh yeah, pure evil. Those little bastards that are named Charles are are pretty damn evil. Yeah, I've never met a nice Charles. And I guess he he's he's kind of evil at the end. Like he's just like, oh well, you know, my journalist vanished. Let's get another hot journalist in here that I can. Uh, he does make like ass comments about Amy the whole, the whole movie. Like, it'd be a shame to lose that hot ass, like stuff like that. <laughs> but he's not like working for hell. Yeah, I mean he is, uh, but but I mean this was you know, two thousand five. You could say things like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably common in journalism back then. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Amy was good. She's a good actress. Uh, I was into it for about the first half. It kind of just, it kind of just lost me. Zoned out. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like, I didn't even, I didn't even stay up late watching this or anything like that. But yeah, it was definitely a, a difficult. Um, it was a difficult watch. Like the 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 premise was good. The execution was pretty flawed. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I mean, it's got an hour and 28 minute runtime. And, you know, like we just went through it in a half hour. And and it's, it, it just is, was slow. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know, like the it's and it's interesting because the last one we both really liked, same director, and he clearly went with a similar style. It just uh, just didn't work as well. No, definitely did not stick the landing with this one. 
So now for next week we have Hellraiser Hell World as the next one. And this one is definitely gonna have the the biggest star power of anyone that we have seen in here. Um so we have we'll start off with Lance Henriksen. Yes, one of my favorites. Uh, this one was actually also directed by Rick Boda as well. And this one came out two months after, or three months after <laughs> Deader came out. So, again, we have Doug, Blad- Doug Bradley returning as Pinhead. Uh, Lance Henriksen is known as the host. Henry Cavill is in this one as Mike. And Catherine Winnick is in here as Chelsea. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Also, uh, just the description. As a as a nerd, here's the description. Gamers play a MMORPG based on the Hellraiser films. They find their lives endangered after being invited to a rave, the host of which intends to show them the truth behind the Cenobite mythos. So uh, I don't know how I don't know how much they're going to get into uh, MMO culture, but uh, just that is funny to me. Being a uh, longtime nerd, you know, gaming nerd, starting with Ultima Online back in the day. Yeah, definitely looks like it's going to be a lot more along our, uh, I guess, speed, you know, along our more of our interest stuff there. So. But yeah, looking forward to that one. But that'll, I guess that's going to kind of wrap up most of our movie talk. What you got going on? Yeah, that was nice and fast. Um, I don't know, not much new. Uh, I think comedy stuff, I've hit on all of it. Big, uh, got a New Year's Eve burlesque slash comedy show in Gilbert, Minnesota. I'm excited for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, right after that, I am starting a uh, open mic in Superior, Wisconsin, at the Superior Tavern. That will begin January fourth, be every Wednesday night. Hopefully, that goes well. That seems like a sweet location. Other As we're that, recording this on a Wednesday, I'm assuming that starting next year we'll have to uh, change the recording day again, which is not a big deal. Yeah, we probably will have to go to a different day because. Most of the time I can just show up, but that one I'll probably have to get to early since uh, I'm the, the guy running it. The organizer. Yep. That works. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot going on, but I did I did get to go see Violent Night. How was that? Uh, I cannot recommend the movie enough. Uh, Interesting. It was fantastic. Uh, wow. Not not uh they they describe it as Die Hard meets Home Alone, which is uh which is I would agree with for the most part. But uh yeah, definitely a great movie, a lot of fun. Um all I can say is don't take it super, super, super seriously. Go to enjoy a random uh you know christmas movie sure well this this is the one where like uh uh 
I don't know, organized robbers or something rob a home and Santa just happens to be there and fights back. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how anybody could go into that expecting to take it seriously. (laughs) That person, if you're doing that, you're watching movies wrong, people. (laughs) I I definitely agree. Uh, John Leguizamo is great. David Harbour is great. Um. The only person that's really not shown in the um, in any of the trailers or anything like that is Beverly D'Angelo from the the vacation movies. Uh, she is also in it. Um, other than that, there's nobody really that I there's nobody that I recognized from from any of that. So I, I it was fantastic. I would say definitely oh. definitely go see it. We'll see. Maybe I can squeeze it in on one of my uh, Tuesday night cheap movie nights after after open mic here. Even if you have to pay full price, uh, I mean, I would I would say <laughs> go worth go it. See it. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I don't I don't know that Caitlin will like it a whole lot, but <laughs> I, I think I I can't see you not liking it. So. She she probably would not. She uh, she and I have about the complete opposite movie tastes. <laughs> not she doesn't surprising. Like it. She doesn't like it when people die. And like, no. well, no, then she's not going to like this at all. To me, death is one of the most essential things in a movie. I don't know why. I just like I like people fighting for their lives. <laughs> No, then she would. I don't. Then I don't think she would like it. Go, go with your go. With some of the comedy friends. Yeah, well, I'll I'll suggest that after an open mic. Um, I don't know anything else going on in life. Not really. Uh, there's not really anything going on at all. I do. Uh, I know we had talked about doing a couple of bonus episodes for Christmas stuff, and. Actually, do we want to do we want to do the top five Christmas movies right now? Or if you're do ready, wanna, do we want to wait till next week? If you're ready, let's do them. I think I can get five. Okay. <laughs> Should we each? Uh, uh, are we doing this in order or just five? Any? Uh, we can do them in order. Okay. Let's. Uh, how about we each start with our number five? All right, go ahead and go first. All right, my number five, and uh, you'll find out that I do enjoy death and I'm not super into traditional Christmas movies. Quickly, my number five, I'm going with Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. All right, yeah, that one's that was pretty good. Yeah, one of my favorites. He's just, uh, I'm sure people have seen it. He's a rich asshole, kind of an interesting take on... Uh, Christmas Carol, but hilarious. Man, I just lost the movie, <laughs> the name of the movie that I was going to use for my number five. But <laughs> I, I will, I will pivot right now, and I will say my number five movie is Gremlins. Okay, good choice. You'll see Gremlins on my list soon. <laughs> So with number four, I'll, I'll go first this time. My number four one is The Night Before. 
I don't think I've seen the night before. Uh, it's a Seth Rogen. Um, it's it's a comedy movie. Um, Seth Rogen. Uh, they they have a their high school buddies. Yeah, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie. They're high school buddies that have a tradition of the night before Christmas. They go. Uh, they basically go out and get smashed and and have a have a party night and uh, eventually they get invited. I mean, and it's kind of it's almost like a uh, uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Okay, kind of movie is with with those three guys in it instead of. Uh, you know, John Cho and Cal Penn. So, uh, like straight, straight comedy. Yes. Dude, adventure, something like that. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's got, like I said, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie, Tracy Morgan plays the is the narrator in there. James Franco's in there. Uh, so, I mean, like a lot of those guys, the big the big name guys that were at that time in that group there, it was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, his writing partner. Uh, so there's uh, lots of, um, drugs and, uh, as they say, oh, yeah. they plan a night of debauchery and hilarity by searching for the nut cracker ball, the Holy grail of Christmas parties in New York. <laughs> Sounds interesting. I'll have to check it out. My uh my number four. This is as close as uh, I'll get to a traditional Christmas movie on my list. I'm going with a Christmas story, Ralphie. I think even as a kid I was a bit anti-Christmas. Uh never really liked the the usual suspects, but uh, this was far enough away. This one had enough tragedy. <laughs> Enough tragedy and violence and like just real life that I like this one. And I'm sure everybody's seen a Christmas story. I will say that I have not. You've I mean, not I, seen a Christmas story? I, I know I know the basis of it and I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never actually sat down to watch the whole thing. No. Oh man, it's uh, it's great. It's like it's taking all the I don't know, the fake joy and cheer out of Christmas and just taking a big steaming reality shit on <laughs> on a family's plans for what they think will happen at Christmas and how it always gets ruined. <laughs> All okay. right. What you got for number three? Number three. This one, uh, a controversy as old as time. Uh, we may have touched on it in a previous episode. I think we did. I'm going to die hard at number three. Many people argue it is not a Christmas movie. I'm going there. It happens during Christmas. They play Jingle Bells. The guys, the limo driver is listening to like a rap version of a Christmas song. That uh, That is just enough Christmas elements for me to count it as a Christmas okay, movie. Yeah, run, run DMC Christmas. But here's my biggest problem with that. I mean, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> The star of the movie says it's not a Christmas movie. 
So oh, it's um, snowing. Oh. I'll, I'll I'll give it. I'll 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 let it slide. I'm not going to complain too much. It's just that I will I will agree to disagree with you about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. All right. We'll so amicably. My number three movie, which um, was going to be my number five movie, is actually kind of a little bit of a romantic comedy. It is kind of more of a traditional Christmas movie, but it's also, um, I guess I wouldn't say it's more of a traditional Christmas movie. It's almost kind of like the diehard of it, because, I mean, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it takes place at Christmas time, and it's just friends with Ryan Reynolds and Anna Ferris and Amy Smart. I don't think I've seen that one either. All right. Well, that doesn't surprise me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, it's early. How is it? Early, early two thousands, maybe uh late, 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 late nineties. But, uh, I guess it was, wow, it's 2005. I didn't think it was that recent. But, uh, of course, Ryan Reynolds plays a big shot record producer who is going back to his hometown uh, for Christmas to be with his family. And he ends up taking his monster of a client um, back there because she's, uh, well... um, Who's played? She does it very well. She's a as they as they say here, uh, self-absorbed pop star, which is certainly you can definitely see that in the movie. Play Anna Ferris plays her, and uh, yeah, um, oh yeah, they're they're gonna go to Paris and they have to stop over because she throws something in the my. She throws something wrapped in aluminum foil in the microwave, Anna Ferris does, because she's completely clueless about everything. But uh, so he ends up in his hometown and uh, he finds his friend that he had a crush on back in high school and uh, things kind of go from there. Does anybody die? Uh, only Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I can get Caitlin to watch this one. She would enjoy this one probably. I, I would, I would say that that she would enjoy this one much more than she would enjoy Violent Night. So, which, <laughs> speaking of Violent Night, that is my number two Christmas movie. Oh, already number two, impressive. Yeah, I mean it. It just the. Just everything about this movie was was fantastic. Um, I mean, it's like as they said, you know, Home Alone meets Die Hard, cheesy '80s action movie, one-liners everywhere. That's a good uh, combination, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and yeah, it all involves Santa Claus. So, uh, how about you for number two? Uh, number two is where I have Gremlins, man. Just another one where, uh, another Christmas classic, people die. There are scenes that I think were probably traumatizing as a child. Like, uh, they're playing, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? Like, towards the end of the movie when, uh, 
I forget the main guy's name, but he's going into his home and like the gremlins are Billy. Yeah, it, yeah. Wasn't it Billy? Yeah, it's Billy. Billy sounds right. Yeah, he's he's going to his home by this time. You know, everybody knows the gremlins are evil. They're killing people. And he's like sneaking through his house trying to be silent. They've got do you hear what I hear as gremlins are trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah, Billy Peltzer. Billy Peltzer. Yeah. Just got great ideas, you know. And the 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 lady with the electric stair, you know, electric stairway where they short circuit it and yes. she gets thrown out. The they launch her. Yep. <laughs> I did not know that Jonathan Banks was in Gremlins. Jeez. Who's that? You'll have to remind me. Uh, he was. You've seen. I'm, I'm assuming you've seen Breaking Bad. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. He's he's Mike yeah Mike from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, yep. Which also looks like he was in uh, Beverly Hills Cop as well. As one of Maitland's thugs. It's a classic, and everybody should watch Gremlins. All right, we are coming down to the top of the list. What do you have at number one? All right, this is as, uh, I guess, anti-Christmas spirit as you can get, which is why I love it. I'm going with Bad Santa at number one. All right. Yeah, that that is pretty well, uh, yeah, anti, anti-Santa. That's about as much, getting rid of as much of the Christmas spirit as you can. Yes, fantastic. Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> as, a, as a drunk, vulgar, like womanizing mall Santa, which he, you know, uses that job as a cover to rob department stores right before Christmas when they're loaded with cash. Ah, oh, he bones women. He argues with dwarves. <laughs> he, doesn't he, seem like he really has. It doesn't seem like it's much of a stretch for him to play that role. No, I <laughs> agreed. I'd say it's the role he was born for. Because that's what he plays pretty much in every. You know, I mean, we've all seen the remake of Bad News Bears. Yep. All right. Uh, I will also... My number one is not a traditional Christmas movie. And no, it is not Die Hard. Uh, mine, my number one Christmas movie, uh, taking out the what one of the actors in this movie has done... Still ranks up at the top of my Christmas movies, and is the ref. Man, you're going deep. I don't think I've seen the ref. Oh, you need to see the ref. Dennis Leary plays a burglar who gets uh, has a failed break in, ends up taking Kevin Spacey and his wife hostage, and as their family is showing up for Christmas dinner. Uh, decides that he is going to play their uh, psychiatrist, their therapist, to uh, get rid of the family. And uh, it's Christmas comedy, but it is uh, Dennis Leary, so you can only imagine how um, vulgar sure. a lot of it is. So. <laughs> 
Oh, there you go, folks. There's no uh, no Charlie Brown Christmas or Rudolph on our lists. <laughs> no, no Frosty the Snowman. No Santa Claus starring yeah. Tim Allen. Uh, no, uh, no, it's a wonderful life. No, no Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Um, I mean, I do have an honorable mention that I actually just remembered was also a Christmas movie. I, I guess it's kind of a Christmas movie. It takes place on Black Friday, but it is Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that was during the holidays, but yep. close it, enough. It, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, the day it takes place the day after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, I guess that could have been a Thanksgiving movie, but that'll be that'll be an honorable mention. Oh, I don't have any. It was uh, it was tough to get to five that I would like actually sit down and enjoy. I didn't think I was going to do it. Yeah, I need to. I don't know what happened to my digital copy of the, or I shouldn't say digital, my my physical copy of the ref. Um, it disappeared. The disc disappeared somewhere. So I need to find. I need to find. I need to buy a new copy of that. <laughs> Have you uh, have you put any thought into our bonus Christmas horror show episodes, or should we just save that for another time? Uh, I was looking right here, and uh, Aisha was looking while we were recording this, which is part of why I was a little bit distracted there. Um, I'm on the Tubi TV website here. There are a bunch of Krampus movies if we want to do um, the Krampus movies but what I was thinking was uh, there's a couple There, there's one called Elves which I think looks phenomenal <laughs> I'll look it up right now I assume they are killer elves which oh absolutely I'm already I already like the idea And that's from 2018. Elves. And then there's one from 1980 called Christmas Evil. I mean, I like the look of elves, I can tell you that. Yeah. Oh, and then I see Christmas Evil. Yeah, 1980. Cartoon Santa with a bloody hatchet. Yep, and Merry Christmas is crossed out in the background. <laughs> or there is also The Elf, which is uh, from 2017. The Elf. Oh, I see that one. <laughs> so I mean, we could probably just do the Krampus series uh, completely because there's what, nine of them that are all here, so I mean, I like elves. Elves seems right up my alley. That... Alright. So the other elves. one, I mean, the other one, just because it's from 1980, you know, I usually like a 80s horror all right, so Christmas Evil and Elves. So let's do Elves for uh, Monday. Sounds good to me.
And uh, yeah, we can do elves on Monday and then Christmas Evil. Oh, we'll have elves on Monday, then Hellraiser Hellworld next Wednesday to record, and then Christmas Evil on Sunday. Sounds good. And if people want to watch, free on Tubi. Yep. We're still trying to work for the, that Tubi sponsorship. Yeah. Have we looked out? I didn't even look. Are we through our uh, DVD Hellraiser collection, or do we still have this uh, Hellworld? One more. Hellworld okay. is, is also on DVD, which is what threw me off on that, because on the menu, when we were talking last week, and I had them out of order, as it went hell, you know, like six, eight, seven. <laughs> on on the actual menu of the DVD, so when it comes up on the TV screen, so that's sure. where I was backwards with that. So yeah, we got one more of that, uh, and then we got the last cup. The last three are all streaming, so we will be good to go from that point on. And everything else looks right now like it's streaming stuff. <sighs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I, overall, I'm mostly enjoying the Hellraiser series. It's uh, not fantastic, but they're good enough. Yeah, I mean, coming off of, you know, the Friday the 13th series and the Final Destination series, you know, you're almost thinking you're going to get a lot more deaths than you actually do on this. So that's also, I think, part of the reason why they don't seem as... You know, they they're not stacking up the bodies like like you really like. So, yeah, I do miss our favorite death segment. You can't really do it with Hellraiser. No, there's like two per movie. <laughs> yeah, and one of them is always ripped apart by a chain. <laughs> all right, so yeah, I guess that is probably that's all we got. We will be, uh, I guess, back on Monday. Uh, on the 12th here coming up with uh, Elves. So this is Scott the Beauty signing off for the Beauty and the Geest podcast where we watch movies so you don't have to. Later, folks. <laughs>